Welcome to Sexology, a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now, with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello and welcome to episode 215 of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. If you are a new listener, I developed this quiz a few months ago to help my listeners to identify what kind of a lover they are. We all can, at least most of us, can improve our skill in the bedroom. So this is a brief quiz that you take and it, it will identify the things that you're good at and also show you some resources if you need to improve your skills as a lover. So if you're curious about that quiz, you can take the quiz. The link is in the show notes. Today, our guest is Connell Barrett. He's a dating coach. He has one mission, help men defeat loneliness and attract their soulmates as their most authentic, confident self. The founder of Dating Transformation and a coach with the League dating app, Connell spent years training with the world's best relationship and self-development experts. He's been featured in so many different media and he he just released his book. It's in the pre-order phase and I got an advanced copy and it was full of great advice. In this episode particularly, we're just going to focus on helping you to show up more confident during this earlier dating stages. We're going to talk about the do's and don'ts when it comes to initiating sex. We're going to talk about how you can improve your dating game and also what to do the next day, the morning after being intimate with someone to reduce the awkwardness and show up as a wonderful human being that you are. I hope the content is useful for you. I really enjoyed this conversation. Conversation and here's my conversation with Quanel Bart. Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited to have a dating coach, Connell Barrett, on our show. Connell, welcome to our show. Thank you so much for having me here, doctor. I'm psyched to be with you. Well, I, I was just sharing with you before we started recording. I read your book recently and it's wonderful. It's full of great tips and information for anyone who's interested in dating. Sometimes I get these books and it feels like mostly a sales pitch that like, if you want the skills, <laughs> you must kind of like book with me. But it seems like you, it was mm. a wealth of really good hands-on kind of information in the book. So tell us, how did you get in this field of work? Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. And I became a dating coach by necessity. I was terrible with dating and women into my 30s. I'm naturally shy and introverted. And I just never had that natural confidence with women. I was confident at work, confident in social situations, but I was always in the friend zone. Women always never really wanted to date me. And I just didn't know how to talk to girls. And what happened was I got married in my late 20s. I found one woman who finally wanted to be with me. And we got married and she left me nine weeks later. She basically realized, I don't want to be with you after all. And that was the low point for me where I realized okay, I need to fix this. I need to find out 
why, why I can't connect with women. And so I returned all the wedding gifts, <laughs> took it back to the store and went off on this journey to learn the art of connecting, the art of being confident and how men and women connect and relate. And I hired dating coaches and pickup artists and self-help coaches. I was hypnotized to work on my anxiety. I went off on just a, a five-year journey and I, I sort of realized, okay, so this is how you flirt and date and get women to like the real you. And then I wrote a book about it. It's basically all about being more confident and more authentic as the real you so that you can get a great partner, get a great girlfriend and uh, maybe get married. Well, I'm so sorry about how things unfolded around your first marriage. And what a beautiful story that it seems like you turned everything around. That, and now that's your career, teaching people to find Thank people. You. It was not fun at the time, but now I realize, well, it makes it, it makes for a good backstory. And I think that I'm really, I look back and I realize there's a lot of men who were like me, which is self-doubt, not sure how to date, not sure what women want and how to talk to them. And it was really painful for me at the time, but it feels amazing to be able to say to men, Hey, here's, here's the answer. Here's the secret in book form or on our working together. So yeah, it was painful at the time, but that's that's what leads to growth, right? Well, you know, I'm curious. What what really resonated with me? I know first you talk about authenticity, which is very important for building real relationships because oftentimes with many pickup artists, they teach people like lines. You're saying this line, and then this happens, and then you say B. And I, right. when even when I was single, it never resonated with me. It shows very rehearsed. It is rehearsed. It's uncomfortable. So it. The true person kind of hood is not shining through with those lines. And I know that's not your style. I think what was very interesting that you were talking about man to woman communication. Mm. I think that was very interesting because it was reflecting on what can make, kind of like change a good friendly conversation to a flirtatious conversation. And I, and I know you talk about it in the book. So tell us more about that. Right. So man to woman communication it's, it's a wavelength. If you think about it, other than talking to relatives and people in your family, there's really only three frames for interacting with people. There's business professional frame, like you and I right now are having a business professional conversation. There's friend to friend, being with your friends and acquaintances. And then there's man to woman. If, if we're talking about straight hetero dating, there's men and women. And there's, certain, there's a certain way that men and women talk and connect when they're attracted to each other. However, what a lot of guys don't realize is that they fall into that friend-to-friend -friend frame on a first date or when talking to a woman and instead of talking to her in a more man-to-woman way. And that can get them in what's called the friend zone where guys say, wow, I really like her and want to date her, but she only sees me as a friend. So what is man-to-woman communication? Basically, it's, it's a flirty, more emotional wavelength to get onto where maybe you're, you're teasing, you're being vulnerable, talking about emotions or, feel, or feeling with her rather than speaking logically. I wonder if you agree with this, but in my experience working with hundreds and hundreds of men, I think men naturally talk in a very analytical, logical way, facts and figures. And I was born in Cincinnati and I'm this age and I do this job. Whereas women enjoy conversations more on a more emotional wavelength, you know, heart, heart, 
and spirit and feelings. And so a lot of men get stuck in that logical mode. So what I do is I help guys try to break out of that by being quote unquote man to woman. And the three ways they can do that. First way is by just being clear in their romantic intent, basically saying, hey, I'd like to have a date with you. Would you like to have a date? Putting, putting their real self out there, number one. Number two is communicating more emotionally rather than logically, talking about feelings and, and sp- basically speaking from a more soulful, emotional place rather than facts and, and analysis. And the third pillar of being man to woman I've found is leading, leading the interaction, kind of like leading a dance. Like as the man, I think men, there are certain gender roles that still hold true. Men generally lead, women generally follow that lead if they want to. So those are the three pillars of man to woman, but basically it comes down to emotional connection rather than logical connection. Well, I, I can imagine that's a definitely, a, it requires extensive training <laughs> when you work with men to teach them to change that language, because sometimes I wonder if that's who they are. So it's almost teaching them yeah. another language. It is. It is. It's a lot like learning a second language. But it's actually, it's once you, once you understand it, I think a lot of men realize, oh, you know who I'm, you know who I speak emotionally with? It might be family members or a lot of guys are kind of emotional and more loose with guy friends, you know, busting balls, teasing, joking around. A lot, there's a, so there's a lot of things men already do with other people that they need to start doing on dates. So for example, one of the things I love to teach guys to do on dates is fun, playful teasing. Not in like a mean way, but just, you know, busting each other's chops a little bit. And men do that with their guy friends all the time. They tease, they joke, they make fun of each other, but it's, it's good natured. It's not a, a technique so much as it's just the way we show affection, right? There's nothing wrong with doing that on a first date. If, if a woman has a first date with me and she's running late, I might tease her about, you know, okay, you're running late. All right. You're going to owe me a drink for every minute you're late. And uh, I drink the good stuff. So better hurry, you know, just getting some fun teasing going. So once they learn some simple tools and techniques, it's actually pretty, it's, you might be surprised at how quickly they can realize, oh, I just need to loosen up, let the, let the vulnerability, the teasing, the fun come out. And then, then that man to woman vibe happens naturally because we're talking about a natural polarity that men and women already have. So once they realize that it's okay to flirt and tell a woman she's sexy or speak vulnerably and listen and connect on an emotional level, guys actually realize, oh, this feels a lot better than just talking about numbers and data and being (laughs) too logical. Does that make sense? It does. And you know, what's interesting that you talk about playfulness and even when I was like dating and I was like younger, I remember that like even my uh, college friends, the guys that they were more playful and humorous, they, they were able to date more women, be able to connect better with men, uh, with women and men. So I think it's interesting that you almost teach them to tap into, tap into their style of humor and playfulness. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit childlike in a way. It's man to woman, but the, the sense of playfulness is almost like a child's playfulness. Uh, like let's let's play, let's have fun together, and that's going to sort of unlock the emotional side of us, where our emotional sides can can connect. One of the the fun little tools I give guys to use, especially on first dates, is I tell them play a game. Like don't play games with women in a manipulative sense. Play games with women, like two lies and a truth. Or it's really fun to have a staring contest on a first date. You just start. You just say, okay, let's have a staring contest. 
And studies show that two people who stare into each other's eyes can all of a sudden start to become very attracted to each other. So by playing, having fun, doing silly things that are almost childlike, it can actually turn in, it can really uh, ignite chemistry, authentic, genuine chemistry. And just, it's just fun. And, you know, Cindy Lauper was right. Girls just want to have fun. <laughs> that is funny. You know, speaking of playing game, I just had this conversation with my patient the other day that she went on a date with this guy that she was like, so, so about how interested she was, how enthusiastic she was about the date. And she's like, you know, I guess I go because it's a COVID time. I, like the options are more limited. And they started playing this game, No Longer as Strangers. And she said that the level of kind of vulnerability that the guy showed and and Mm. she was like head over hill for him uh, after that game. So I think the games that can help people to be more vulnerable, I think that also can be a good, good way to kind of lean into that part of themselves. And I mean, your podcast is about part largely about sex, sexology, right? And I think sex is fun. Sex is is extreme playfulness, but naked (laughs) and with caring and connection. So this idea of going on a date and having fun and playing together, it's, it's, it, it sets a really positive, I think, natural frame that allows us to let go and let our male, female essences kind of come out and play. And let's, let's play all night and see how long we play together. Who knows where that might lead, whether it's the first date or later dates. It just sets, it sets a, a tone that unlocks that sexual, fun, romantic side that we want to let come out, but that we kind of hold guarded inside. Absolutely. And I think the more that, especially for women, that they feel safer with a person, it's easier for them to open up sexually. So if you have this kind of like a fun playfulness going on, it will be easier to lean in to be more sexual versus if there is more of a kind of a guarded uh, kind of distance presentation that men at times they feel it's sexier in their eyes. I remember one of the first women I dated when I first went on this journey to get better at dating. We were in bed our first time. And I thought she was about to do something really kind of sexual and, and like sexy. And she made it seem that way. And then she, she, <laughs> you know what a raspberry is when you take, we make you put your mouth on somebody's stomach and you just like make that raspberry right. noise. <laughs> I, I don't want to do it. Your, I don't want to break my microphone. And she just gave me a big raspberry and we both just cracked up. It was the, it was arguably better than the sex. It was just so fun and silly. <laughs> And I realized, yes, this is what sex should be. It should be, okay, it can be sexy and like intense, but it can also just be fun and silly and uh, being completely unguarded. Well, you know, I think there is a awkwardness from transitioning for many people from that kind of playful back and forth to kind of this uh, kind of making the first move. And I know you talk about it in your book that we mm. need to movement, things can get confusing. As a woman, I appreciate all those women that came forward, but I think it adds another layer of complexity in, into this dance. So when when someone kind of like reads the situation that this is going well, I want to have sex with with this partner and it's the first time they mm-hmm. are moving toward that direction how do you recommend them kind of like to introduce that is there any kind of conversation you want them to have is it any kind of a subtle way that you want them to lean into tell us more about some of the suggestions you have around that i'm a big believer in taking stair steps towards sexual intimacy and, and letting, letting a man and a woman escalate things together where they both know where it's going. There's, there's mystery, but there's not surprise. 
And I think those clear signals are really important. Dating in the Me Too era, especially, a lot of men feel like they're stuck between this rock and a hard place where they say, you know, I, I want to take action. I want to have sex and success and meet women because I don't want to be lonely. I don't want to be in the friend zone, but I also don't want to have any misconduct. I don't want to do anything that makes her feel uncomfortable. And so they, what they do is they do nothing on a date for three hours and then they lunge at the girl for, a, for like a out of nowhere uh, make out. And she's like, what the heck? I, I didn't see that coming. So we don't want to do things like that as men. We want to... Again, I think in general, men lead and women come along and follow and sometimes take the lead now and then too, which is totally fine. And so what I recommend guys do is basically stair steps. So for example, on a first date, you might meet the woman and again, maybe post COVID, give her like a nice, warm, friendly hug to start. And then, you know, a little bit longer into the date, you high five or you're touching each other, you know, arms and shoulders, getting, getting comfortable with physical expression. And as things progress, whether it's the first date or, or later dates, then you might be holding hands and then kissing her neck and then kissing and then having deeper kisses. And then all of a sudden you might be back at your place or her place and you both kind of know where it's going because you've escalated in a way that makes sense. And then I'm a big believer in, I'm, I'm a big believer in consent when it comes to sex and ba- making it clear that both people want it and are ready. But I think sex, I think consent can be sexy. It can be dirty talks consent, you know, doesn't, you don't need to sign a document saying, do you consent to intercourse with me? How about saying something like, oh my God, this is amazing. I want to take you into my bedroom and kiss every inch of your naked body and letting her say yes to that. That's a pretty hot thing to say to somebody. So yeah, you want to be... I don't, I don't think verbal consent kills attraction. In fact, the chapter in my book is called Consent is Sexy. Because what's sexier than a, a beautiful woman saying yes? That's just so hot. <laughs> so it's, it's an escalation that ends with a verbal consent. And that's basically what I teach. Well, what I think it's amazing about your approach is this kind of like being clear, as you mentioned, about your intention upfront and during the process, because sometimes because people are uncomfortable with showing their vulnerability, they might not like early on not ask the woman out. So the woman is kind of thinking, are we going on a date? It's not a date. What's going on here? Are we friends? And then also when it comes to kind of like uh, moving things to kind of more sexual ways, that also can be confusing. So I think as I think it can be a very sexy thing as you're showing confidence, kind of asking, uh, "Do you want to go on a date with me? Are you do you? This is what we're doing. Are you interested in having sex in a kind of a nice way that you put in?" I think that that can put the woman at ease and also show a, it's a sign of confidence. I think. Yeah, I think that there's. There's a self-fulfilling prophecy there that can happen, which is if you're going to make a decision as a man to take the lead and be make that clear intent known, but at the same time, be totally cool if she doesn't want any of these things. I think it's that feeling of he's going for it, but he's not going to be weird if I say no. That makes women feel really good. I call that freedom from outcome. It's like, let's go after what we want. But you know what? We don't need to hook up tonight or maybe we never maybe we'll never hook up. Maybe we'll be friends. It's all good either way. But, you know, I'm really into you and I'm just loving and just now I'm leading things where I want to go. I would love to continue this conversation, this date back at my apartment. We could grab a couple glasses of wine on my rooftop and talk more. And I don't want this night to end. And that gives a woman a clear signal of he's into me. He wants the things to go farther. And uh, then she can say yes or no. It's totally cool either way. 
And I feel like what you tell me if this is true from a woman's point of view, but I feel like women like that sense of, oh, this guy's going for it, but he's okay either way. I have, he underst- he'll understand either way and not get weird if I say no. And that free, I call it freedom from outcome, that freedom from outcome, going for what you want, but being totally cool if you don't get it, sex, whatever, that actually just makes you even more attractive as a man. I, I can testify to that. I remember at like that when I started dating my husband and uh, like it was very uh, interesting that I was like trying to be playful. I said, no, well, maybe not tonight. And he rolled his back and slept. <laughs> Like, oh, God, what's going on here? (laughs) Why is he so cool about it? So sometimes when the person is not pushy, that can be incredibly sexy. That it's the the sense of message that I'm not desperate. I'm not pushing you. (laughs) I might as well go to bed. So I think that's uh, (laughs) that's always a joke that we're having because I many men, when they're nervous, they think, as you said, that like they, they shouldn't do anything sexual. And at the end of the date, they kind of like do something very aggressive. I think that that, as you said, that can be a turn off and also can be confusing for them because what happens and there you don't know where is the line because sometimes maybe the woman is not ready to kind of make out with you or have sex with you but maybe before that you were holding hand and you were kind of like doing other kind of sexual touches and that was okay unless you are increasing that kind of like that level of kind of physical connection it, it would be hard to know does that make sense right it's it does it does i think the solution the solution for to that for men is Again, think of these stair steps. The first step of the stairs is, hi, nice to meet you. The top step is sex, intimacy, going deep together. And as you climb up these stairs together, if a woman says, hey, I'm not ready for this step yet, just go back down a step. Maybe she's fine to hold hands and snuggle up, but maybe she's not a make out. Maybe she's not ready to kiss you yet, or maybe she just doesn't like kissing in public. So what I would tell a guy is, feel, feel free to go for that kiss if you feel ready for it. But if for some reason you get the cheek, doesn't mean she doesn't like you. It might just mean she's not ready. Be com- incredibly empathetic and check in with how she's feeling. And it just feels good to be aware of how she's feeling. Feels good as a man to, to, to make sure she's comfortable. And at the same time, it also helps you down the road because she'll feel safe with you and realize, okay, I, he didn't get weird. He didn't get insecure. He just was cool with it and gave me some space. And then she might want to make out five minutes later. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I, my, my uh, girlfriend at the times, our first date, we, she came over the first night and we didn't have sex. Basically I was, I was like your husband. I turned over and went to sleep and she wasn't ready. Maybe I wasn't ready. We just had a great night. And woke up the next morning and she jumped on top of me and and our first time was the morning together. So that was an eye-opening experience because I realized sometimes a woman just needs to stay over the night and be with you and not feel any pressure. And then she might might jump on you and and turn things all R-rated. And if she doesn't, that's totally fine too. But uh, yeah, there's there's really, you never want to be aggressive. You want to follow this stair-step approach and all while always being aware of, of how she's feeling. And basically, I say to guys, the woman will tell you what, what to do next if you're really present and focusing on her cues and following this stair-step system. Well, I'm so glad that you're talking about being present. I think it's it can be anxiety provoking for men that haven't had the practice of going on dates to kind of like move into different stages of kind of like these, uh, whether it's a dating or it could be a kind of intimate uh, connection. 
So one thing is that at times, I think no matter how good looking you are, how wealthy you are, people get rejected for all, for a number of different reasons. You can be the, again, the most attractive person, but you'll get rejected at some point. And that can be very crushing for, for many men. I see them in my practice. They say, I never want to mm. date again. How do you help people mm. to navigate that? I have very counterintuitive advice for guys. I want them to embrace rejection. I, I don't want them to seek it out exactly, but I want them to be totally okay with getting it. So when I go out with clients in person, I, I do this, I did this before COVID and I'll do it again soon, I hope. Going to a bar, going to a club, going to a night venue. One of the first things I do for my clients before they approach any women is I tell them to point out the most beautiful, intimidating woman that no guy would ever want to talk to. I go over and I approach her myself. Because and maybe she's on the dance floor with five other girls. Oh, she does God. not want me approaching her on the dance floor. <laughs> That's not a I good I do scene. it because I, right. I want, or I might approach a girl who's making out with a guy. I'm not hitting on her, but I'll walk up. I might walk up and they're kissing. I'll walk up and say, hey, can I cut in? Um, because <laughs> of, of course I can't cut in, but, but I want my clients to see, oh, rejection's not that bad. It's not really rejection. That's my view of, of dating, at least in the courtship phase. It's not really rejection unless you look at it that way. Reject, here's rejection. Rejection is when your wife or girlfriend of five years says, sits you down and says, I don't love you. You've never made me orgasm. And I'm leaving you for Ryan Philippe. Okay, that's rejection. But a woman on a date, a couple dates in, a woman you approach, a woman you've been texting, if she says, oh, you know what? I'm not interested. I'm not feeling it. That's not really rejection. It's just her saying, you know what? You're not my type or we don't have the chemistry that I want. But I think that what a lot of men do is they misinterpret that rejection as something personal. Like, oh, I guess I'm unattractive to women. I guess I'm not good enough. I guess I'll have to be alone. And that's a really painful, destructive misinterpretation of a woman's response. So I say, let's get numb to that and realize, let's reframe it. It's not rejection. It's just information. Maybe she likes the Rolling Stones and you're the Beatles. Hey, Beatles are amazing. She just wants the Stones. Um, and that's a really powerful shift that guys can make and realize, oh, rejection is not something to fear. It's actually something that's part of the process. And the, the secret is it's actually not really rejection. It's more just information. Well, what a beautiful reframing. And I love that you almost expose them to that situation. And it's not like you're lecturing them. You're showing that uh, I'm comfortable doing that. So they know that it's uh, it's okay if, if they make an attempt and it doesn't land the way that they want. No, kind of like going back like to if, if we're kind of like, if we're making a move on a woman and it goes well, I think one of the things that was very interesting in your book, you talked about the morning after because thinking gets mm. very awkward, especially if like it's not something that you don't know what direction it will go. You don't know what how to approach it because I think in the heat of the moment after the initial making a move on a person, things can go smoothly, hopefully, <laughs> most of the cases. Right. But the next right. day, things are confusing. So what advice do you have for us for the morning after? I have a client, former client named Craig, who um, divorced dad and he just never dated because he married his high school sweetheart, got divorced. All of a sudden he was dating again and he had his first ever one night stand while working with me. And I said, how'd it go the morning after? What did you do? He said, oh, I played it cool. And I like barely talked to her 
And I was like, I was like, no, no, don't do that. <laughs> he didn't know what to do. He was trying to be all suave and James Bond. And I think that's, that's what you don't want to do. My feeling is the morning after you want to make her feel great about the decision she just made. She just hit the sheets with you. I'm so grateful every time any woman has ever been nice enough to have sex with me. I want, I want to bake her a cake or write a song about her, send her a thank you card. Not literally, but I'm, I'm so grateful whenever a woman is nice enough to have sex with me. So what you don't want to do is play it cool. Here's what you do want to do. You can pillow talk, spoon, be lovey-dovey, kind of boyfriend, girlfriend, if she's comfortable with that. Not, not every woman will be, but a lot of them will be. Morning sex is a great idea if you're both into it, obviously. But basically, you want to be just be very sweet and attentive. Offer her breakfast, offer her coffee, uh, offer to drive her home or get a ride share and just make her feel great about, you know, don't rush off to your job. Don't rush off anywhere if you can help it. Hopefully that's not happening. And then a really great thing you can do after this to make her feel great is send her a text that just with all the, you know, heart faced emoji emojis you want to send something that makes her feel really good. Like, I can't stop thinking about you or I can't stop thinking about that when last night when you blank and then, you know, maybe she did something really sweet or sexy or amazing. A great text to send the morning after, you know, later in the day is my bed smells like you. And this is a good thing. Just let her know you're on her mind, whether you want to see her again or not. And hopefully you do. But just to make her feel great about that decision, because it's big. It's big for any person, I think, especially any woman when they make that decision to, to have sex. And you just want everybody feeling great about it, whether you both know it could go somewhere or maybe you both know it won't. But yeah, just, I guess, lead with your heart and make her feel fantastic. Well, how thoughtful that regardless of whether it's a one night stand or it's going to like you're hoping for a longer term relationship to approach it with kindness and integrity. I think that definitely yeah. goes a long way. I can imagine then like my some of my male clients would say that what if I'm not interested? It was only one night stand. I don't want her to get a wrong idea. What would you say to that? Well, you still follow the same day after approach because you don't need to ask her out again if you don't want, but still you want to make her feel great about having spent the night with you. And maybe you're not into her and maybe it was just a hookup, but I still say you still want to treat things like you still want to kind of honor what you had together. And then, and then what you simply do after that, it, it depends on a lot of factors, but then you simply don't ask her out again, but you don't ghost, you don't go quiet. You can simply not pursue another date if you decide that it was just a one-time thing, but you don't need to say that. You don't need to leave. You don't need to say that to her unless she presses you on it, in which case you should be honest. Honesty is great. And I'm a big hundred, I'm, I'm a believer in it a hundred percent, but I would, I, I think women are very intuitive. They can read signals. If you don't ask her out after that first night, maybe she'll get that hint and get that signal, which is fine. Maybe she won't. And you have to kind of give her a gentle but honest kind of, hey, this is how I feel about us. But don't go quiet. I guess don't go quiet. Be a gentleman about it. And that if you follow that guiding North Star, I think even if you have to let her down easy at some point, she'll feel better about it. She won't be as upset. Well, I, I love that you have this suggestion because what I think then collectively as a society, 
we would do so much better if we're treating each other with integrity. Because what happens then if you're kind of like having that interaction with a woman, you're ghosting her, you're leaving without even saying anything or pretending you're sleeping, then next time mm. she would be showing up differently. So that can impact. I, yeah. I feel there's this kind of butterfly effect of that. Or like people, then if when we're not mm. showing up authentically for kind of like sexual experiences we have, we're not honoring the other person or we're kind of like changing these stance as a society because I think then that the next time the person show up like resentful and kind of that can impact right. the kind of entire dating scene. It's It's been my experience that what I hear from clients. Well, I love what you just said about the butterfly effect because I think of it as good karma and paying it forward. Where if a guy only wants a hookup, he can still make that woman feel great about their one night together. At the same time, some men might surprise themselves and find out that what they think is only just a hookup you stay in contact, you stay in touch, and you get real feelings for each other. Uh, one of the loves of my life, we, we met out at a rooftop bar. We, ha- we hooked up. We spent the night together. We both thought it was probably just a fling. And that was the beginning of a four-year relationship where we both fell in love. So you never know. You never know what being dating with that integrity and honesty could, the, the value that could bring both of you long-term. And if nothing else, it feels good. Well, and I, and I love that story that you mentioned about the woman that you dated for four years. And I think also the world is smaller than you imagine. So funny thing is that as like, you know, we we're in college and now we're professional, many of the people that you dated, your friends dated, I think personally, like I dated, I, now you see it in a community, in professional setting. And uh, you would relate differently to the person if they approach that experience with mm. integrity, with kindness, versus if they showed up in a kind of childish way. So I think that can have multiple impact in the community and also in your future as a reputation as a person. Yeah, there's no, you can't have too much kindness and empathy for women as a man. It's virtually impossible. There's a poll of 64,000 women that I quote in my book and that women are, single women are asked, what is the quality you want most in a man? It's not looks. It's not even sense of humor or money. It's kindness. And I think that's a really important lesson is guys don't need to be some jerky, alpha male, cool, aloof guy. Be a, be a sweetheart <laughs> and have a big heart. Women want that and they deserve it. Well, uh, Carl, I, as, I can, as I was sharing with you and our listeners earlier that I loved your book. I highlighted a lot of like different parts of it. And I think it's full of great kind of actionable items. So we, we might have talked about less than a, a one-tenth of the content, but I want my listeners, if they are interested in dating, to read it. So please tell us how can they access your book? Please tell us about your book. Absolutely. Well, the book is called Dating Sucks, But You Don't. And the mission of this book is to help men gain confidence, learn how to flirt so they can get a great girlfriend. That said, there's still a lot of great insight into men that I think women will enjoy as well. So if they want to check out this book, what they can do is simply go onto Amazon and they can order it right now at Amazon. Dating sucks, but you don't. Excellent. And do you offer coaching services? That's something that you do now. So please tell us more about that as well. Totally. I do coaching. I do in-person coaching with men here in New York City, also in Los Angeles. And what I would suggest if anybody wants some free, awesome video tips with, with a lot of practical advice, like how to flirt, how to get more matches and dates on dating apps, how to always know what to say. On my website, datingtransformation.com, I have a free video series. It's called Simple Dating Secrets 
where you get two free videos every single week of me giving you my best advice, datingtransformation.com. Well, uh, thank you for sharing all of these resources. And again, I love that you have actionable advice. I feel like some of sometimes the self-help books are full of fluff <laughs> and right. you're not getting like a usable information. But I, I felt like your book had lots of good tips. So and it's wonderful that you have a, a free newsletter. Thank you so much for coming on the show. For our listeners that they didn't get a chance to write down the information, the information about your book will be in the show notes. And thank you so much for your time. I had such a blast. Thank you for having me on. You have a great podcast. Thank you so much. Have a lovely afternoon. Bye-bye. I hope you found the information useful. I highly recommend you purchasing Connell's book. Again, I loved all the tips and tricks that he included in his book. Specifically from our conversation, what resonated with me about how he talked about dealing with rejection, that how important it is for us not to take it personally and almost see it as an opportunity to strengthen your dating skill. I often recommend my clients to do the things that they're scared of to get more comfortable with it. And it's not only them that I advise to do, similar to what Connor was talking about. I was thinking, thinking about my journey of public speaking. When I was 20, I was part of this nonprofit company and they wanted me to present about this art therapy theme that they had. Huge conference. I had really bad social anxiety. I fainted (laughs) in front of hundreds and hundreds of people. And it was so embarrassing. But the decision I made after that was like, I'm going to do as many public speaking as possible. So I won't let this fear and anxiety take over my life. And ever since, I feel like I gave presentation in hundreds and hundreds of big and small settings and I worked through my anxiety. So I feel sometimes in life, the more we're doing the things that we're scared of, the less scary they become. So I hope that you guys will incorporate that in in the aspect of your life that seems big and scary. As always, I'm very grateful for every single one of you that tune into this show. If you enjoy listening to this show, please show us some love with giving us iTunes reviews. We will really appreciate it. I'll talk to you guys next week. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.